Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. How about this one? You never seen the inside of a gym. You don't exercise. You spend your days after work, you come home, turn on a DVR, and you exercise your thumb moving through the commercials, right? Thinking you're being time efficient. And then one day, you say, you know what? I'm going to run a marathon. And you enter a marathon, and you win. Does that happen? Of course. Those are obvious, right? You don't live life by default to get to the destination that you want to get to. You must live by design in order to get that destination of your choosing. If you understand what the design is, then you can understand the ultimate destination that you have. This is the Bible. This is what 1 John does. This is how he lays things out for us. And so if you look at 1 John chapter 5, we're going to read 13 through 15 this morning. And here's what it says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we ask of him. At this point in the book, what John is doing is he's starting to wrap, to keep the Christmas theme, he's putting the bow on the present. He's wrapping up all the things he said. This is his by-the-way section, or really his postscript, from from verse 13 to the end of the book. And so he's kind of giving us some final thoughts. Now, something I want you to understand about John's writings, because John also wrote the Gospel of John, He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and then as well, Revelation. So what I have found in John, I love John. John's one of my favorite writers in the Bible. What I love about John is he gives structure, and yet it's so cerebral, that structure, that when you see it, it's like, oh, I get it. And he has these markers in his writing. So in the Gospels, he wrote these statements called I Am Statements. Now, these statements are like, you've probably heard them all before. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am, I am the life and the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. These were all statements that Jesus said in the scripture, in the gospel of John. He, he, this is what he said. Why did, why did he say those? Because they were descriptive of who he is. And so anytime in John's gospel, when you come across one of these statements, a flag goes up in your mind to tell you, oh, this is about Jesus. This is Jesus. This is identifying who Jesus is. So he has these grammatical markers in his writings. There's also some other things. As a, as a rabbit trail as a side, John listed a bunch of signs that were to follow, right? These signs indicated, again, reflecting us back to who Jesus is. But John would write in his gospel something very similar 
in his gospel to what we just read this morning in 1 John chapter 5. In John chapter 20, verse 31, he says, but these things, speaking of the I am statements, but these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have eternal life in his name, may have life in his name. So when I come to 1 John in preparation for this time, I just read the book probably a dozen times. And what popped out to me was the phrase, these things. That's what he says in in 1 John 5, 13. I write these things. He uses that construction four times in the book, in this book of 1 John. And I think that what John's doing, this is just my... I may be saying heresy here. I have no idea. I've, I've not seen any other writer that said this, okay? So I may be completely off the wall, but I hope not. Um, so, so I believe these are the pillars of his letter, these, these things. Um, so let's look at them. So the, what John's doing is he's saying, he's saying um, we need to understand what God's design, his overall design looks like. And so the first these things of the book is in 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. And in this one, he's sharing with us that we have a place, that we have an ultimate destination. He's telling us the end at the beginning. Look what he says. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Well, what are the things that John's talking about? Just look at the first couple verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, and concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. He wants... It's knowing Jesus is what he's talking about. I've seen him. I've heard him. I've touched him. God designed a place for us to be with him. The night before Jesus died, in John chapter 14, he would say, I go to prepare a place for you. He has a place for us. There's a destination These are the things that John is writing for us. But the next these things statement is found in 1 John 2, verse 1. And listen to what he says here. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. I visited someone's house a while back. Uh, many years ago, I just this kind of just etched in my mind. And uh, when I walked into the house, I uh, I said, "Should I take off my shoes?" And the person said to me, um, "No, do whatever feels comfortable to you." But I just cleaned the carpets. <laughs> what do you do with that, right? I took I took off my shoes. Um, this is what I think John's saying here in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. John's known as the love apostle, the apostle of love. So he's kind, he's nice, right? Um, he's thoughtful. And what he's saying is, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if you do, we have an advocate. 
Um, Paul makes it very clear. All have sinned. All have fallen short. There is none righteous. No, not one. Paul would say, take your shoes off of the door. Um, <laughs> but John's not, I'm not saying John is soft on sin at all. If you look at just the verse previous, verse chapter 10, or verse, verse 1, chapter 10, if we say we have not sinned, John says, we make him a liar. <laughs> That's pretty clear. So John, I'm not suggesting that John is at all soft on sin, but his kindness just, just exudes from this passage. I think also that John's saying here is that while we have a plan in the first of these things, I, I think right here he's saying, you're going to fall, you're going to fail during the plan, it's going to happen, things are going to come your way, you're going to trip, you're going to stumble, but we have an advocate. There's someone who's with you. And that's what he's saying, God is for us. God is for us. We have someone on our side. We're not alone. He's with us through this plan. The third, these things, is found in uh, chapter 2, verse 26. And I'm just taking these in order. Verse 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So, if we have an advocate and he's on our side, that would suggest that we have someone who opposes us and is not on our side. We're going to have struggles, is what he's saying. We're going to face opposition. And so in this, these things, John is saying, God's preparing us. So not only has he had this destination for us, not only is he for us, but he's preparing us through things that happen, through things that are said, through his word. Now, some people will say, the devil made me do it. I'm not saying that's not true. I think that's possible. Some may say the devil's attacking. It's very true. I find in my life, I can't get out of my own head sometimes. I can't get out of my own way. It's an obvious choice. I make the other one. Why is that? All the time. Just talk to my wife. So often I sense that God wants me to do something. And I forget that he has a plan for me. I forget that he's on my side. He's right next to me. I forget that he wants to walk with me. But I forget he's also preparing me to just trust him. Look at verse 27 of chapter 2. But his anointing teaches us about everything and is true and is no lie. Hmm. The fourth of these things is found in our passage today. John chapter 5, verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Our place with God is safe and secure. And that's John's plan throughout all of 1 John. He has a destination for us. He's for us. He's with us. He's present. We're going to face opposition. 
We're going to face opposition. Man, someone that we care for dies. That's opposition. That hurts. But he's with us. He walks with us. He's for us. I'm going to make a stupid, I'm going to say something stupid. (laughs) But he's for, he forgives me of my sin. And yet, I'm safe. I'm safe in his hands. I'm right there with him. We just sang about it. We just sang about it. Is that true in your heart? I love the songs that the worship team picks. I love it. Sometimes I don't sing. It's because of my voice, but I just love to read the words. They're so powerful. But we're in his hands. We're in his hands. And life, life is, is so full of uncertainties. I mean, none of us know what's going to happen in the next hour. Some of you are just hoping I get done, right? <laughs> I'm certain that'll end at some point. But what guarantees are there in life? What guarantees? You know, jobs vanish because companies downsize or merge. Your 401k retirement fluctuates all over the place because of presidential tweets and everything else, right? Um, There's a whole industry in our lives that takes care of uncertainty, isn't there? Insurance. Auto home life. You know, the little lizard guy. But John's wrapping up this letter reminding us of what he told us at the beginning, that we have eternal life. We can have eternal life if we believe in the name of the, of the Son of God. Very clearly. And that's, he wrote his gospel so that you can believe. So he identified who Jesus was, is. Look, I am the bread of life, he said. Believing on his name. That's why he wrote those things. In this book, I heard one author, I think it's Warren Wiersbe, who put it this way. The gospel of John is written for those who, for, those, for you to believe. The first John, first John is written so that you know how to behave. And revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ is written so that you can behold your God. I've always thought that's a great way to remember John's writings. But we're safe and secure in, in his arms. And this is the Bible story. So from Genesis to Revelation... God is lovingly and kindly and thoughtfully pursuing us with a relationship that he wants for each one of us, with him. But you know the books between Genesis and Revelation? They just tell a story after story of how people constantly reject his ways, constantly ignore him, constantly think that they can do it on their own. Does it sound familiar? John says, I write these things He's reminding us of God's design. The design he has laid out for each one of us. We are safe and secure. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, um, let me read this for you. And when he, Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. 
And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? I I awoke a few days ago with this passage on my mind. Um, For those of you who are visitors, one of the things we do here, which is a tremendous blessing to me, is we have a a time we call call to worship. And from time to time, people give testimonies. Um, And they just share what's going on in their lives. And it's really a blessing. Um, Ryan Gross, I I don't see him here today. Not that I'm pointing him out, but I don't see him here today. He gave a testimony a couple weeks ago that just blessed my heart. He said, um, you know, um, I'll read it. I don't want to mess it up. He said, I've come to the point where I'm okay with waiting on God. But I have found that he is asking me to wait more such a simple statement. I was really refreshed by that. Even though I'm crying, I really was. Have you ever wondered when in the middle of your storm that Jesus will stand and rebuke them? Do you ever wonder when it will stop? When you'll sense some calm? Have you ever thought on this? Asking Jesus to come only to see the storm just continue. Only to feel more and more swamped. When you meditate on Jesus' words, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? It feels kind of harsh. I mean, they are in a storm, right? Then the thought came to me as I meditated on that passage. It's not about the storm. It's about him. And you know, true rest will continue to escape us if we continue to focus on the storm. It's it's not that we want rest from the storm. Our rest is in him. That's the point. But I can just hear God when he says, I can just hear Jesus say, oh, you have little faith. He's saying, don't you know I have a place for you? I have an ultimate destination. No matter what's happening around you in your life, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing with, I have a destination for you. Don't you know that I'm on your side? That I'm standing right here with you? Don't you know that you're going to face opposition? It's going to come. But don't you know that I'm here with you? And you're safe and secure. 
We don't think about those in the storms. Why? Because we're focused on the storm itself rather on what Jesus is doing or, or where Jesus is in our lives. Or sometimes we don't, even, we don't even think about Jesus. We set him aside. And we just focus on the form. i got to fix the storm. i got to fix this. i got to work this out. And this is exactly what John's reminding us of in this book. But how do we live that way? How do you live that way when you're in the middle of a storm and things are raging and boats tossing you to and fro and you're getting swamped? How do you focus on Jesus? John has an answer. God of life. That's the purpose here. Now we've referred to these uh, throughout the messages that you've heard, the series, of te- as tests. They're tests. I-, I would say the test is what we do with Jesus. That is the test. That's the exam. That's the final exam. John's given us the answer at the beginning. He said, I've seen him. I've touched him. I've heard him. Eternal life is ours. That's the exam answer, right? It's in Jesus. But what John does is he gives a number of quizzes, I'll call them, throughout the book. We've looked at them, and I'm just going to, there's several, there's actually six or seven. I'm just going to look at three. But I know in the classes that I've taken that how I'm doing on those quizzes really ends up how I do on the test. You know, if I fail a quiz, I realize, oh, I got to work in this area. I got to hit this area a little harder. So these are quizzes along the way that John lays throughout the book. And the first one is found for us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And it's really, it's simple, but it's hard. He's asking us in this, in this verse, are we willing to obey the Father? He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And so a question we want to ask ourselves is that it's that simple. Are we willing to obey him? How do you do on that quiz? We all struggle. Remember, John said, I hope you don't sin. But if you do, there's an advocate. There's someone who stands with you. There's someone who's for you. But then the natural question next is, well, what commandments? What commandments? In Mark chapter 12, Jesus was asked this very question. What are the greatest commandments? And he answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So how do we obey the Father? I bet when I said that question to you a minute ago, you thought about all the rules and the do's and don'ts. (laughs) That's not what God has for us. It's more complicated than that. Love him and love other people. Simple. Very easy to remember. As a matter of fact, you're reminded of it every time you come into this auditorium. There's a sign above the door. Literally, you're reminded of it every time you walk in there. But that's the problem, isn't it? (laughs) We go through life in a rote way. Which is why, in my opinion, we focus on the boat rocking around. 
because we're not aware of all the stuff around us. It's a simple thing to walk in there, look up, see a sign, love God, love others, be reminded, but we choose not to be because life, we live with blinders. We all do. We all do. We all struggle with that. It's interesting to me that the Jews, God had the Jews um, reiterate this in their mind twice a day. The Shema. And that's what it said. It said, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. They would chant it twice. And they would say a number of other things as a reminder. So that's the first quiz. Second quiz is in verse 5 and 6 of chapter 2. He says, but whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And there it is. Do you walk like Jesus walks? And again, when I ask that question, I imagine our thoughts go to, well, that's a tall order. Who can walk like Jesus? All the things I got to do, all the things I got to get rid of in my life. When Jesus began his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he was just tempted 40 days. And in Luke chapter 4, he walked into the, to the synagogue and he was given an Isaiah scroll. And this is what he read out of it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says, today in your hearing, the scripture is fulfilled. So how do we walk like Jesus walks? We serve others. We make ourselves available for others. We, we do good works, essentially. Paul would say it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. God's already made the good works for you. He's done it before eternity passed. When he created you, when he created us, the good works were already established. So how, how do we work out God's design in our life? How does it operate in our lives? How do we understand the overall plan that God has? How do we flesh it out, so to speak? Well, we obey God. That's one quiz. We walk with Jesus, and we do good works. And that's the next quiz that he lists for us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil, Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, do we love our brother? What does that mean? Well, Jesus took care of that one too for us. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is speaking of the final judgment. Who will enter in And who will depart from his presence? Do you know what the defining factors are? He says, when someone was thirsty, you gave them a drink. When someone was hungry, you gave them food. When a stranger, you welcomed them. When when someone was naked, you clothed them. When someone was sick, you visited them. Didn't even say you took care of them when they were sick. You visited them. When someone was in prison, you visited them. 
So in, in God's design, doing good works shows love. Doing good works is like walking like Jesus. Walking like Jesus is obeying God. Well, you can start here. Obeying God, love others. Loving others is going to cause you to walk like Jesus. Walking like Jesus is going to cause you to do good works. Well, let's start with good works. If I do good works, I'm doing them because I want to love my Father. By loving my Father, I'm walking like Jesus. You pass the test. And those are just three of his quizzes. But I think it's important because the passage continues. We weren't just looking at verse 13. We're looking at 14 and 15. And this is the confidence, he says, that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request that we ask of him. Why we do what we do is as important as what we do. So many of the quizzes that John his list involving loving your brother, obeying God, or seeking the truth, none of these are given as the answer of, of salvation. Christ alone is. That's John's point. These quizzes are indicators of the person who has genuine faith. John saw answered prayer in his time with Jesus. He saw a boy's lunch used to feed 5,000. He saw water turned to wine. He saw the blind see, the lame walk, and the sick healed. But John also saw Jesus walk off by himself to be alone with God. John was also with Jesus at Gethsemane. And in Matthew 26, after Jesus in Matthew 25 talked about the final judgment, in Matthew 26, the night before he was crucified, Jesus was asking for some way around what God had before him, the cross. He asked, may this cup pass before me. But his highest desire was obviously to fulfill the love for his Father, and to be obedient in that way. When we pray with the self, with the same self-abandonment of personal gain that Jesus did, we'll have the confidence to know that he hears because motive matters. Motive matters. And that's the test that John has before us next. That's the, that's the aspects of these quizzes. So the question is, are we willing to trust God no matter the storm? Are we willing to look beyond the storm itself and see Jesus in it with us? Arriving at our desired destination is not something that happens by default. Living on purpose doesn't happen by good intentions. Living on purpose happens by following the design of the designer. These are the things that John reminds us of. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you and are just so thankful that we can to realize that you have a plan for us. To realize, Father, that you are in that plan with us. That you are working in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would take these truths, take these tests, take these things with us as we go and be reminded that we are safe and secure in your love. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.